chapter 46 continues with idolatry. Verse 1, Bel slumps down, Nebo is stooped over. Their idols are loaded upon beasts and cattle. The images you bore aloft are piled as burdens on weary animals. These are Babylonian gods who are supposed to be saviors. They're supposed to save the people from calamity in the time of destruction and judgment. And instead, they themselves go into captivity with the people whom they're supposed to save. The odd thing is that the people don't see this horrendous paradox that these gods, they're taking them with them into captivity. What are they good for then? Why carry them around anymore? The images you bore aloft, in other words, you exalted them, or you adored them, are piled as burdens on weary animals, together with your other chattels that you're piling on. Such gods altogether sag and bow down, unable to rescue their burden. They themselves go into captivity. Hear me, O house of Jacob, and all you remnant of the house of Israel, who have been a load on me since birth, borne up by me from the womb. This implicates Jacob and Israel, the Lord's people, Lord's covenant people, in this kind of idolatry. This is their loading their idols, their Babylonian idols, their foreign idols, having to leave their inheritances with them and carrying those idols. So the Lord has been carrying them all this time. And they've been a load on him because of their idolatry. If they had maintained the proper worship of the Lord, they would not have been a load. They would have been saviors themselves. Even to your old age I am present. Till you turn gray, it is I who sustain you. It is I who made you and I who bear you up. It is I who carry and rescue you. The old age and turning gray is almost a chaos motif. It's becoming decrepit and aged. That's when the going gets tough and that's when the Lord needs to carry them all the more. In a sense, he's talking about their idolatry. It's getting old and it's making them lose their vitality, their spiritual vitality. Verse 5, To whom will you compare me or count me equal? To whom will you liken me that we should appear similar? He's challenging his own people, the Israelites, his covenant people, in connection with their idols. Because the idols are supposed to represent God. And we see that today in certain churches. You have statues and things that represent gods or, or little gods. And the true God doesn't compare with anything like that. And it is really a desecration of his reality and his presence to try to make something out of clay or wood that actually is supposed to represent him. They who squander gold from the purse and weigh out silver on the scales hire a smith to make them a god they bow down to and worship. They bear it aloft, carrying it on their shoulders. When they sit it in place, there it stands, unable to budge from its spot. Though they cry to it for help, it does not answer. It cannot save them from trouble. And the Lord is not like that. He's not confined to any one spot or place. He's not made by human hands. He's above gold and silver, which he himself has made and created. When people cry to him, he answers, and he saves them from trouble. And if it wasn't for him, they would have all have been wiped out by now. Put yourselves in mind of this, and come to your senses. Take it to heart, you offenders. Verse 8. Again, appealing to them to leave off their idolatry and to come out of this blindness that is caused by idolatry and materialism. Review the prophecies of the events of old. 
Why? Because in the past, people were idol worshippers and they came to grief. And we ought not to make the same mistakes having the scriptures, having the word of God from those ancient times. Also, when a prophet prophesies, it comes to pass. And one of the things that the servant prophesies is the destruction of Babylon, the imminent destruction of Babylon and all idol makers. Just as those ancient prophecies come to pass, so the ones that the servant speaks will also come to pass. I am God, there is none other. I am divine, nothing resembles me. I foretell the end from the beginning, from ancient times, things not yet done. I speak and my purposes take effect. I accomplish all my will. The Lord speaks through his prophets or through his servant in this end time scenario. One of the proofs of God and that the servant is legitimate is that he foretells the truth. He foretells the future and it comes to pass. On another level, the end is foretold from the beginning in Israel's ancient history. Just as Israel went through certain motions in the past, in its history, so she will do again in the end time. And the end time is kind of a mirror of the past. The way that Isaiah prophesies the future is to take events out of the past and recycle them or prophesy new versions of them. And that is how the end is foretold from the beginning. The beginning events actually foretell the end. And it is a way of prophesying. It's a manner of prophesying that Isaiah uses. And by looking into the past and seeing what happened then, especially in the book of Isaiah, the way he's orchestrated and composed that whole book, talking about the ancient king of Assyria and all of that scenario and Israel's apostasy that caused a worldwide destruction and conquest by the Assyrian power and then redemptive events that happened anciently, such as the exodus out of Egypt and the inheritance of the promised land by the Israelites who returned from foreign places, all of that will be repeated, and all of that is foretelling the future, as well as being historical or something that happened in the past. When the Lord speaks, he does accomplish all his will. Some say that prophecies of destruction and doom and gloom don't need to happen if people repent. And that is true. They don't need to happen, but if they don't, and there is, of course, not a lot of repentance going on today, then those prophecies will be fulfilled exactly as he said them. I summon a bird of prey from the east, from a distant land, the man who performs my counsel. What I have spoken, I bring to pass. What I have planned, I do. One of the things that God has foretold, and that is part of his plan, which he conceived before the creation of this world, in chapter 40, it says, um, Who has comprehended the Spirit of the Lord that a man should let him know his plan? Chapter 40 is talking about the creation of the earth, and of nations, and of Israel, and of exalted people in Israel, and that whole creation from beginning to end, from the time that the earth was just dust, who has compiled the earth's dust by measure? I've been quoting from chapter 40, verses 12 and 13. It was all according to a plan. That plan was conceived by God before the creation of this earth, and part of that plan was the coming of the Lord's servant at a critical time of the earth in a transition period when it would go from a lesser state to a paradisical state, from a fallen state or carnal state, as typified by the codename Babylon and by the idolatrous economy and lifestyle that name represents, from that state to a paradisical state. The servant's coming is instrumental or critical to that transition. 
So the bird of prey from the east is the man who performs my counsel, who comes from a distant land. Those two lines are parallel there. Why bird of prey? That's a metaphor describing the man that's mentioned there. And bird of prey because, as we've already seen, like Cyrus, he comes upon the wicked and the idolaters of the nations, like a bird of prey. And he reduces them to chaos, as we've already seen. And Isaiah uses a new conquest of the world, like that of Cyrus, a military conquest in which those nations are reduced. The Lord gives the servant power over the nations to ungird them, to reduce them to non-entities. And that's why we have the bird of prey image. The man who performs my counsel, like Abraham, who followed the counsel of the Lord, it's a rhetorical link with Abraham. Another way to translate that is the man I have foreordained. He was chosen like Jeremiah. Before he came out of the womb, he was chosen or before he entered the womb, he was chosen to perform his mission upon the earth. And he comes from the east, and we've already seen that before. In chapter 41, verses 2 and 25, he comes from the east or the northeast. And this servant resembles in many respects the angel from the east in the book of Revelation, through whose agency 144,000 servants of God are sealed up. And pretty soon in the 50s, we'll begin to read about these other servants that emerge out of the category Zion in Jerusalem. And they assist this servant in performing his redemptive mission upon the earth. And we might say that this bird of prey from the east is also the angel from the east in the book of Revelation, because they essentially do the same thing. Verse 12, Hear me, you stubborn-hearted, who are far from righteousness. I have brought near my righteousness. It is not now far off. My salvation shall no longer be delayed. They are stubborn-hearted because they are into idolatry. That's why they are far from righteousness. Righteousness means keeping the law of God, the law of the covenant, and observing all his word, which they have not been doing. That's why he brings the servant near. He brings near his righteousness. Righteousness being a metaphor that describes the Lord's servant. As we saw in chapter 41, verse 2, he's called righteousness. comes from the east in chapter 41, verse 2 also. And this is the end of a chiasm that begins in chapter 41. It actually begins at the end of chapter 40. There, the coming of righteousness from the east, the person righteousness in chapter 41, verse 2, in that structure, that chiastic structure of chaos creation motifs, righteousness from the east in chapter 41, verse 2, parallels righteousness coming from far away, in fact, from the east in verse 11, in this passage, in this chapter, but it's the same individual. Meaning that the servant is a paradigm of righteousness that if the people will hear the servant as they would hear Moses or a prophet of God, then he will teach them righteousness. He will teach them God's law and word, how to abide by that. And if they do so, then they become righteous themselves. And as they emulate the servant, to the degree that they become righteous, they themselves begin to personify righteousness also. I have brought near my righteousness that is not now far off. My salvation shall no longer be delayed. From here on out, we'll see the pairing of righteousness and salvation in quite a few instances. And generally, 
you get the idea that righteousness is a precursor of salvation. Salvation can't come until righteousness is established, meaning that the people must become righteous before the Lord can come and save them. He can't save anybody who's not righteous. They don't qualify. On another level, righteousness is a precursor or forerunner of salvation, which is the Lord himself. He personifies salvation. As we've already seen in several instances, and we'll continue to see Before the Lord comes to save his people in the end time of the world, the servant has to fulfill his mission of righteousness, establishing righteousness, and then the Lord can come. When the servant comes, it's a sign that the Lord is coming. My salvation shall no longer be delayed. This is it. This is the time to choose to serve God or not. I will grant deliverance in Zion and to Israel my glory. Deliverance in Zion, as we've already seen in the case of Hezekiah and his people, will happen again. And that salvation in the days of Hezekiah was, or that deliverance was, a type of a future deliverance. And the Lord's people under siege will be delivered in Zion in the end of days. To Israel my glory, because Israel will ascend, those who are faithful in Israel, or the Jacob-Israel category, will ascend to the next highest level and assume a more glorified state. Also, the Lord sheds His glory upon all those who are His. When He comes to rule upon the earth, the glory of the Lord will rest over His people, and over the temple. You have to measure up to a Zion or Jerusalem level in order to merit the Lord's deliverance in the last days. 